In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of Amshir, and today's Gospel reading is from the sixth chapter of the Gospel according to St. John. In fact, all of the readings of this month leading up to the Great Lent, which is right around the corner, are from the same chapter, uh, which is chapter 6 of the Gospel of St. John, where our Lord speaks plainly and leading up to, of course, the topic of the Eucharist, the communion that we take. It starts, the story starts with the feeding of the multitude, so the, with only the five loaves and two fish. And the multitude follows Christ because they had their bellies filled and they were happy from a uh, natural or a uh, materialistic standpoint. They wanted more. And Jesus tells the multitude, which we read a couple weeks ago and we read again today starting off with the gospel, it says that Jesus tells the multitude not to labor for the food which perishes, but labor for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. And this, he's slowly building up to the Eucharist. And this starts at a very interesting, it starts a very interesting dialogue with some of those who followed and with the disciples himself, themselves as well. They asked him, how can, how can, um, they asked him, how can they do the works of God? And if Christ can show them a sign, they wanted to see a sign so that they can believe. Similarly to what Moses did by providing them the bread from, hand, uh, from heaven, which was the manna. So slowly turning the conversation, the Lord builds up the revelation about the reality of the liturgy or the reality of the Eucharist. He says that the true manna is the bread that comes down from heaven, that gives life to the world, and that he is that bread of life. He is that bread of life. And it's very interesting to see how everyone reacted to this amazing thing that he uttered. Many began to murmur. We know this man. We know his parents. We, they're Mary and Joseph. We know where he is from. How is it that he says, I have come down from heaven? What does that mean? Our Lord responds to this saying that no one can come to him unless the Father who sent him draws him, and he will raise him up in the last day. That those who come to the Lord in faith are mysteriously taught and led by the Father, because he loves everyone. And if they respond with faith, he leads them to the Son to come to him and to be led into the heavenly Jerusalem. And that he's come down from heaven to be the bread of life and to grant salvation to those who believe him. This was enough, of course, to cause more murmuring in the crowds, right? They weren't very happy about this. They couldn't wrap their head around it. And it was hard for them to understand. But then the conversation continued and our Lord continued to reveal more and more. And he further emphasized that those who ate the manna, they all died. Yes, it was brought to them through a miraculous way, but in the end, they all died. It was just a material food. It's the food that perishes. Even though it was given to them by a miraculous way, just like the feeding of the five loaves and two fish, uh, which was still fresh in their, in their minds, in the same way, yes, this was miraculous, but those who ate that eventually died. But those who ate of the true bread from heaven, which is himself, will have everlasting life. That's the promise of the Eucharist, that he will raise us up in the last day for those who have communion. This caused even a greater scandal, though, because again, they couldn't wrap their head around it. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? It later says in the, in the same chapter. What did our Lord do? Did he explain that he was speaking in an allegorical or symbolic way? And he said, oh, no, you misunderstood me. What I meant was spiritually. 
he goes on saying, most assuredly, he doubles down on it, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. This is the means of everlasting life and to be raised up in the last day. This is why we're baptized. This is why we have communion together as a, as a group. And this is why we read scriptures so that we can have this unity, this very intimate unity with our Savior. And he even goes on to say, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Again, our Lord knew their thoughts and could have said this is just a symbol or allegorical or something like that way of thinking that you guys aren't getting what I'm saying. But no, he doubles down on it. But at this point, it turns into a scandal and it reached its defining point. Many of his disciples, the gospel says, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. The problem was that this group who turned back were very materialistic and didn't look at things in, a, in spirit and in truth. And because they're only concerned with the natural world around them and not the spiritual world as well. They didn't really want to see God. They just wanted to see the material things. They only saw with their fleshly eyes a man standing before them and not the creator of the universe that is the source of all life. So they couldn't see his divinity. And it's the same today. That's why all the readings today, by the way, all of the Pauline, the Catholic epistles, and the book of Acts, and even the Senate Serum was about this faith, to, to have this faith. Christ turns to the remaining disciples at this point, and he asks them, very point blank, do you also want to go away? He didn't say, these guys didn't understand me, but he asked them, do you also want to go away because of these words I say? And St. Peter responds beautifully. O Lord, to whom, we sh to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. St. Peter didn't say, well, those other people are just silly. And of course, this makes total sense to eat your flesh and drink your blood. Yeah, of course, it makes sense. You know, I don't understand what these other people are thinking, you know. Um, it's very logical in our mind to do so. He didn't say that, right? He says, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He says two things to us that's a model for us to have this simple faith that yields so much understanding, which gives us great understanding. First, St. Peter, speaking for the rest of the disciples as well, confesses a complete trust in him. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. It reminds me of Psalm 131, which says, in the twelfth hour, it says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Like, a, like as a child trusts in their parents, so we trust in the Lord. This is what St. Peter responded. And it's very similar to the Israelites after they departed from Egypt and were led by the hand of God in a, in a very host, inhospitable place in the wilderness, like a mother leading her children. By night they were led by fire and by day by a cloud. And they picked up and packed up their tent and followed God wherever God told them. This was the same, speeder, uh, same spirit that Peter had, St. Peter had. He showed, that, he showed that to his disciples too. Our Lord was more precious to them than anything else or anyone else. There was nothing better than being with God 
and they trusted in him before they understood, before they understood. Second, St. Peter responded that they have believed and known, not known then believed, but he says believed and then known, believed and knew that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And it was within this faith and this trust in God that St. Peter indeed and all the believers of Christ grew in true understanding and experiences with God. It's a subject of the starting point. Faith is the starting point. And not to be murmurers or complainers or doubters like those who uh, turned away from Christ at this saying. There was another time when the apostles asked the Lord to increase their faith in Luke chapter 17. Our Lord didn't say, well, then go read more books and understand through intellectual analysis and get faith by that way. But he says, gird yourselves and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink. In Luke chapter 17. And at the request for more faith, our Lord gives a call to action, a call to service. And then they will increase in faith. So have faith and put your hands on the plow to work and you will see God working with you. And then that is how you increase your faith. It's a call to trust God and to walk with him. And they will increase in faith that way. It's by taking communion, for example. We, we trust and have, and have faith that the communion is indeed the body and blood of our Lord. And through that we gain great wisdom and great understanding. It's by abiding in his light that we see light. We abide in his light and we see light. First faith, then understanding. And what an understanding we shall receive, both in this life and in the life to come. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, St. Paul says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know. We heard our Lord say today, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent, and that we live a life of faith and work accordingly, and not to be paralyzed with doubts. In our Bible study last night, or two nights ago, we um, covered the first psalm, Psalm 1. So psalm, of course, we know the psalms are uh, a foundation for our spiritual life and and our uh, and the way we pray to God, the way we praise Him, and it's our foundation for our relationship with Him and our spiritual life. And the first psalm, so the first psalm and the first verse of that psalm, even the first words of that first verse, it says... Blessed is the man who walks now, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So the first verse of the first psalm brings awareness to the pitfalls of our spirituality and the pitfalls uh, or obstacles to our relationship with God, something negative that we should avoid. We shouldn't take the counsel or advice of the ungodly who encourage us to lose faith. To walk in the counsel of the ungodly is to reside within the advice or guidance of what the ungodly advocate or what they encourage. The ungodly can be from spiritual forces, like the demons and so on, but also from ungodly people. And then we quoted in the Bible study, we quoted something beautiful that St. Basil says as a reminder for us, so I'll read it to you today. So St. Basil says, It is walking in the counsel of the ungodly if you should say in your heart, is it really God who governs all things? Is God actually in the heavens managing each individual thing? Is there a judgment? Is there a reward? Is there a reward for each according to his work? 
Why then are the just poor and the sinners rich? Why are these sick and those in good health? These dishonored and those held in esteem? Is not the world functioning without a visible cause? And do not some unaccountable circumstances rationalize for each without any order? If you have said these thoughts, says St. Basil, you have walked in the counsel of the ungodly. But blessed, as the psalm says, is he who does not allow any doubt concerning God, who does not become weak in the soul concerning the present, but awaits that which is promised, who does not hold any disloyal suspicion about God who created us. Because life has its pitfalls, it has its negative things, and it has its positive things. When we go through things that are difficult, those are temporary. And when we go through things that are nice and pleasant, guess what? Those are also temporary. And that's the nature of life. And both of the good and the bad are interwoven in the tapestry that we call life. And we encounter both. So we're not only faithful in the times of good and not faithful in the times of bad. We shouldn't doubt when things befall us because these things could be, without us seeing them, beneficial for our spiritual life. So God allows it to happen. But we should trust, like St. Peter did today, to whom shall we go? Even when things are difficult to understand, even when things are uh, seem impossible, the, the things that we have to overcome, we say with the words, we say the words of St. Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Because contrary to this kind of simple but beautiful faith, the Lord rebuked the people in today's story and said, what sign, they asked him, what sign shall you perform that we may see it and believe you? When he told them the mysteries, they didn't believe him. They complained and murmured about him, gave him contempt because they perceived familiarity with him, saying, we know his parents. On the other hand, the apostles who believed Christ were allowed to handle the mysteries that God revealed and were able to see the Father through the Son and by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, as our Lord says today. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from the Father, he has seen the Father. And we see the Father through the Son. We see God, the creator of the universe. He, may, he comes to us in flesh that we can see him and able to bear uh, the beauty of who the Father is. The apostles were able to see this. And the apostles were able to show others as well. So may the Lord give us this type of faith that St. Peter had that comes through experiencing him in our lives through service and through simplicity, through trusting in him, through knowing that he is indeed in control and that we may gain the spiritual knowledge of the Father who is wonderful and gives us his Son to us as nourishment unto eternal life. To him be glory forever. Amen.